Praise God. It is uh, always good to laugh and start the day. Uh, it has absolutely nothing to do with the message today. If you have your Bibles, let's go to um, the Ephesians chapter 6. Um, we're going to do from verse 10 uh, all the way through to um, at least we'll go to like 18 today. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10. As you're turning your pages, um, uh, I, I just want to, uh, you know, to give a tiny bit of background on this one. Um, this week, I was just like uh, listening to, anytime I'm preparing, I'm listening and I'm taking notes and I'm researching. I just found out, that, did you all know why was Paul in prison? I didn't know why Paul was, I thought that always Paul was in prison because he was preaching um, you know, gospel. That's what I thought. But if Paul was preaching the gospel, he why why was he brought to Rome, and wh- why was he tried in in the Roman, um, uh, you know, court, right? And 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 that's when I realized there is a little bit more deeper, and that's why when he starts this 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 portion. It's very real for him what he's talking about in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, is so real and close to Paul's heart because Paul's now chained to um, a, a Roman soldier and he's just serving time in Rome. And I did not realize why he was serving time. The reason why Paul is in prison is because, right, during this time, like this is around like a, you know, later part, like a 59 AD to 64 AD, right around this time, there was an emperor of Rome. His name is Nero. He was ruling the Rome, right? And when he started to become an emperor, Nero was, was 16 years old and he was listening to the people. He was listening to the senators. He was listening to the committees, right? But soon he just realized, I am the emperor. I should not be listening to these people, right? And he was being, he was being controlled by several people in his own personal life, and one of them was his own mother. So he actually murders his mother. Then he murders both his brother and sister, right? And he writes, and the thing is that he's also calling himself as a poet, right? So he wrote a lot of poems. And if nobody's listening to him, you know, probably they will not listen. They will not listen to anybody else, right? So the thing is that he would have executed anyone, and he had such a power, right? And he wrote a poem called, you know, a fire uh, on Troy or uh, Troy on Fire, something like that, a poem he wrote, right? And he wants to recite that poem. And also what he felt is that that, that everything that is in Rome wasn't actually showing the Greek culture. So he wants to have a palace, and that palace should be surrounded by everything that looked like how it was in Greece. And so... What he did, he wanted a Greek architecture. And so what he instigated the fire in in Rome, and he was just like a burning down everything because he didn't want, he wanted to bypass uh, listening to the Senate. Um, And so he was burning everything down knowingly, right? And so later when Senate called him, and they were, uh, you know, asking him how did the Rome got into fire. He actually blamed Christians for doing this, and he was actually um, there was five accusations that he made against the Christians, and uh, one of them was they're they're atheists, right? And they he went on to explain 
And the leader of this organization, he pointed, he wanted an, a scapegoat, and he pointed at Paul and said, Paul burned Rome. And so Paul's actually serving time in prison uh, as an accused for burning down Rome. I, and the thing is, it's not for a crime that he did, right? So there's a lot of this is going on in, in Paul's mind. But but what he's also feeling is that this this is a, the calling for his life. And he's not going to walk away from his calling. Even if he's going to be executed, he is taking it like this is a gain for my king, right? And so... Paul's now serving time for the, the, the things that, uh, you know, Nero did uh, to burn down Rome. And while he is in prison, he's encouraging and he's giving instructions. He's talking to the church, right? So when he started the book of Ephesians, he's saying like uh, the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is about doctrine, what is that book is all about? You know, what is Christ all about? What is our faith all about? So he's talking about the doctrine, the first three chapters of Ephesians. And then from chapter 4 through 6, in fact, up until like a 10, he's talking about how can we implement this doctrine? How can we submissive, submissive to Christ? How can we be submissive, husbands to wives and wives to husbands? So he's talking about how to live this doctrine. And he's now come to this place where he says, finally, that's when he's starting the verse 10. He, he's saying, I've told you about the doctrine. I've told you how we can live um, uh, enough. But beyond that, uh, there is there is something more I wanted to say because in this life we are going to have a battle and this battle is very real and and I am going through one of those battles where this this strength of mine is just like a losing right now and I am looking for the strength of my father that's why he says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. He's using the word against four times here to stress on the importance of like all these, um, you know, the hierarchies of this enemy. Because we need to know who we are battling against. He's just like giving a raw format of this, right? While he's doing, he's saying, therefore, because this battle is real, you and I are going to go through something that we cannot handle with our strength. He says, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. This is when he's starting to talk about the armor. There are six armories that he is talking about. Having girded your waist with truth. We saw that last week. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. We actually stopped somewhere in this space. We have finished it. Four of these armors, we're going to pick up the two more today. On verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful of this and with all perseverance and supplications for 
all the same. I'm going to pause there. Uh, and the thing is that these verses are all talking about put on yourself. Put these armor on ourselves. How can we put on these armor, these strong supplications, uh, the, the strong implications of putting this armor of God on ourselves? We have to do something about it. Paul described the enemy. Paul described how big this enemy can come after us. Paul described our problem statement. Paul is saying now as, as a child of God, you actually have something that the world does not have. The problem is going to come to both the people in the secular and also spiritual. The problem is going to come whether you are a, a Christian or a non-Christian. The problem is going to come irrespective the rain is going to come, irrespective the storm is going to come. But what he's saying is put on the armor so that you will be able to protect you and your family. So what I was thinking is like even though we have talked about these four of these armory, I'm going to pause there a little bit and just to say what it means by putting on these armor. We, we hear so many of these messages all the time. We wanted to put these things into practice. We need to have these words become real for us. When, when it talks about having girded uh, our waist with truth, we saw last week how God says we are sanctified by truth. We are sanctified ourselves by, by you know, the things that are happening around us. So, you know, the truth here is the word of God, right? And uh, the, the truth is written word of God. The truth is the word that has come, you know, um, to us. So here... We're talking about like the truth is nothing but the word of God, right? So how do we apply this arm, uh, armor on ourselves, right? Every day, the, the truth here is talking about the Bible. The truth is talking about the word, which is the highest form of the truth that we can find ourselves in. And so... The, the thing that I wanted to encourage us, what does it mean by putting on this armor? We will, you know, take up the word seriously. To read the word like a 20 minutes a day, if, if only we are committing ourselves to read the word for 20 minutes, then, you know, we can finish the entire Bible in 365 days. If we read actually five chapters in the morning and ten chapters in the evening, we actually can finish the Bible four times from the beginning to the end. We, I, I want to challenge ourselves to start to get into a program, a discipline, to put on this armor because the truth is, is like a belt that holds everything together that the breastplates and everything that the, the armory that the Paul's talking about is all held together by the word. And that's why I'm, I'm asking us to just like a, take the word seriously. Uh, and having the second armory that it's talking about is having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, we, we saw last week how the breastplates actually protected the, 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 the sensitive parts or, you know, the critical parts of our body. And so here it's talking about like a how, um, you know, when, when we uh, put on the breastplates of righteousness, right? the breastplates of righteousness protects our, our, our sensitive and most critical uh, you know, uh, parts of our body. And so here we're talking about like a, how the heart 
is one of the uh, one of the parts of a body that needs to be protected, right? The heart needs to be protected. The the way that we can protect this heart is, you know, we have to find ways to listen to this heart. So the second way, practically, we have to figure out a way to make this word of God very practical for us. Because we have to use this word every single day. We have to put on this armor. If Paul's talking about it so seriously about these armors, we have to take these armors very seriously, right? So I was thinking to myself, how do I protect the vital organs of my body, especially my heart, right? So the best way we can protect our heart is to quiet ourselves. We have to at least take, a, you know, a five minutes in our day or ten minutes in our day to quiet ourselves from distraction. The, the last week we saw how in a still water we can see our face. When we still ourselves, we can actually see ourselves. And the thing is that if we are not quieting ourselves, then we won't be able to listen to, the, to what the heart says. Right? And the thing is this, that the Bible says in Psalms 37, 4, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If we are not quieting ourselves to listen to our heart, how can we even tell God what our heart wants? If we do not know what our heart wants, right, it is very hard to even comprehend. We will be like, a, a, you know, a, a chaff blown by the wind. We will go by everything that we have in our way there's like anybody can come our way and they can direct us in different directions because we ourselves don't have a clear understanding of what we want out of this life so the second armory is to quiet ourselves so we can actually listen to the word of god then we saw about having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. It's talking about like the shoes in our feet. And, and we saw last week, the shoes cannot be loose. Have you ever felt that my when you have like the shoes that are loose, it's very hard to walk. Nor when your shoes are tight, it's very hard to walk as well, right? And so the shoes has to be fitting, right? The shoes have to be comfortable because this is a battle that he's talking about. We are going into a war zone. So it has to be comfortable. If it's like a tight or loose, we cannot run uh, for a long period in time. This journey that we are in is, is, is just not like, a, you know, something that we can just like a, do this Christian life for one day, one month, and we can go on to do something else. This is a journey. We have to be constantly be on this journey. We have to be walking. We have to be running. We have to have our shoes comfortable. But along the way, we are going to find ourselves to walk upon the rock and stones and thorns and thistles. This, this path that we are going to be walking upon would require our shoes to be really protecting our feet. If our feet is not protected, then we won't be able to walk this walk. And in fact, in the battle, one of the things that the enemy will try to do is to break our feet, break our leg, so that we won't be able to walk this Christian life. So that's why it's very important to protect our feet. Without protecting our feet, we won't be able to do what God is asking us to do. So how do I protect my feet? How do I protect my walk? The best way to protect my walk with Christ is, is to say no to the things 
that we should not be doing and yes to the things that matters the most. This is one of the problems that we as a Christians are uh, even even pastors and uh, and uh, ministry leaders they all think of like a good things to do they they get like a carried away by oh i'm going to do this i'm going to do that i'm going to do that they say yes to so many things that they miss out on their calling what they are supposed to be doing they miss out on what is important in their life think of it this way I don't know how many of you go to Starbucks or any of these coffee shops to buy a coffee, right? When you buy a coffee, they give a cup. Uh, and sometimes they ask, do you want a small, medium, or large, right? A cup uh, has a certain size. That's what defines small, medium, and large. So let's say a, a medium cup that can hold 64 ounces of coffee, right? So you go pay for your coffee. The coffee that you have in that cup is 64 ounces, right? So as you come out, right, some of your coworkers during the day come to you and ask for things from you, and you start to do things for them. What are you doing? You're pouring some of your coffee for them, right? And then as, as, as the day goes by, uh, there is like a, a neighbor comes by, uh, or a friend that comes by and he says, oh, my car is broken. Can you come help fix? I'm not saying you should not do any of these things. I'm telling you how your cup is getting emptied during the day, right? So you pour some of your coffee for them, right? And then the day goes on and then you start to pour for another, for another, for another. And by the time, you know, you haven't even drunk your own coffee, but by the time you get to that point, what you have is just the dirt on the bottom. Unless you refill yourself, you don't have enough coffee for yourself. Leave alone your wife or a, a husband. Leave alone your children. Leave alone what is important, like God, right? There's nothing left in your cup to give. Because you've been giving and giving and giving and giving and giving to people, and you didn't preserve some for yourself. What am I saying? All these things are important, right? Everything that you come across is very important. But you need to know who you're pouring your coffee to. You need to know um, what is very critical for you. You need to keep some for the God that you're, you, know, you dearly love. You need to keep some for you. You need to keep some for your wife and husband. You need to keep some for your children because otherwise this, this life will go so fast that we will not have coffee to pour upon whom we dearly love, right? So the third armor that we need to put on, you know, is, is to say yes to what matters the most and no to what matters less. Uh, how do I know that, brother? The best way that you can know this is very, very simple. Put, uh, take a piece of paper and put God in the middle of the paper and make a small circle around the word God, right? And what is needed for God is very critical in your life and my life. So put God in the center and put another circle around that, around the God, right? And put your name on the second circle that goes around the word God circle, right? You need to know to pour coffee for the second circle after you poured coffee for spending time with God. Then put the next circle after that on top of you. That is where your wife and children, your immediate family come into play, what is needed for them. Then you put a next circle around that. Then 
you put there what is needed for the ministry that you're doing, the calling that you're doing. Then you put another circle after that. That's where your friends and co-workers come. But what we do is we actually give so much importance to the last circle, we fail to give importance to the earlier circle that is more critical than this larger circle that you put at the very end. In order for us to have a longer walk with God, we need to spend more time with Him, more time with our family, more time with our children, more time with what is valuable for us then yes, we definitely want to serve the kingdom. We definitely want to give to the people. But if your family is not intact, that you give more importance to other things than God, then the priority is realigned in our life. This morning, as I'm speaking to you, I'm encouraging you as a brother, take a look at your life. Slow down and see how you're spending your time. Just like how some people say, measure your life by where you're putting your money. The same way, look at the entire 24 hours that you have in your hand. How you're spending your time. Is, is, is your, your time has like a God in that picture? Is that time has your wife and children in that picture? Is, is, is your time well spent for the gospel? All right, let's move on to the next one, which is the last thing that we saw, the, the shield of faith. We need to take this shield of faith. I, I just got in a, such an encouraging note, um, you know, from Brother Terry uh, from Brady, Texas. And, and he, he quoted the example analogy that we talked about during the shield. The shield is to protect us, right? And the Roman soldiers carried this large shield, like as big as the door, right? Um, and they can just like hide under that shield. And when we talked about it, we also said how in the battle, they all line up next to each other the one in the front will actually hold the shield in front of them. And then the ones in the middle, they will hold the shield above their head, above their head. That's why it says above all, right? The, 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 the Bible says above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery dots of the wicked ones, right? So here, we're talking about shields not only to protect us, but how it protects the people around us, how we can stay together. And that we were talking about the redwood trees and how the roots of the redwood trees don't go down. Instead, they go sideways, right? And holding on to the roots of these other trees so that when the storm comes, these roots are holding each other. And Brother Terry was saying how the roots from Charleston are going all the way to Brady, Texas to hold on to the tree that is there in Brady, Texas. And the roots from Brady, Texas, how it's connected to the roots in Charlotte and how it's connected to D.C., how it's connected to Florida, how it's connected to South Dakota. We're all like this big, giant network of trees that's holding on to each other. Right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for this movement of encouraging each other that's just all over this nation right now. And this is very important for us to just like a touch the people that matter the most in our life. So the fourth armor that, I, that uh, you know, we are talking about here is the shield of faith, but also the shield, the faith, we cannot have faith in faith, right? We cannot have faith. That's what oftentimes this, this science is talking about. Science is talking about having faith on faith. 
We are talking about a faith on a God who is real to us, not only to us, but we also become a source of energy for the people that are around us. So the fourth armor that reminds us to touch the people who are feeding us every day. We need to make a time for the people that touch us. And we have to give our time for the people who are feeding us. One time I was with the governor, Scott Walker of Wisconsin, when he was the governor a couple of years ago. We were in D.C. We were sitting down in a room. We were praying. And he said, Cyril, every time I go out, he's just like a huge fan. We had a, we had a chance to watch this uh, uh, Green Bay Packers play in Lambeau Field in his box. But he says, like, you know, when he comes out on the street around this stadium, People are always wanting to take a picture with him. Governor, governor, can I take a picture with you? And he told me that day, so I, I would love to take a picture with anyone who wants to take a picture with me, right? But every time I'm walking by in a crowd, there will be somebody from the crowd who would shout, governor, I'm praying for you. He told me, that any time he hears that kind of a word, he will make a way in between that crowd and go touch the person who said, I'm praying for you. Because he said, there is an anointing that this man has that is very specific for me, and I want to go touch that anointing. Here's what I'm telling you. There is an anointing that someone has for you and you need to touch that anointing every day. Make a point to call that person. Make a point to be with that person. Make a point to, to pour back on the person who's pouring back to you. And now, this morning, we will talk about taking the helmet of salvation. Helmet is the most noticeable uh, of the... Uh, uh, the, the armors that uh, uh, a person walks in. Sometimes we see this helmet uh, with like, a, you know, the hair on top of the helmet. I don't know whether you have seen in the war movies and things like that. We have seen some of these soldiers walking with like, a, you know, helmet with the different color hairs uh, on it. Usually when someone is going on a war, they don't wear that kind of helmet. Those are helmets that are worn for like a, a parade that was worn for like a, a, a things that are like, a, you know, to just like, a, you know, have in front of, a, um, you know, a large audience um, when they are having like a ceremonies and things like that. But the soldiers that wore the helmet in those days, helmet was one of the very critical part of the Roman, um, you know, army. And the thing is that amongst all of amongst all of these people that uh, that were doing the war during this time, the Roman soldiers were making the battle with such sophisticated armors, and helmet was one of them. They had these helmets that not only protected their head, their helmets were protecting their chins. Helmets were protecting their neck, right? And, and so they, nobody was going to come after the head normally, you know, but if you take the head down, there's nothing left, right? But the thing is that in the battle, they were always protecting their head because the head is the one which is sending messages across their body. And so here, the Roman soldiers not only... Um, was just like a protecting their head and the chin and their neck, but also they they were they would polish this. They would keep it clean because sometimes there are leather that are attached to these metals, and if that leather is not comfortable, it's going to make your head so uncomfortable, right? And John ten ten says the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy, I came that they may have 
life and have it abundantly for a long period of time i was thinking that the helmet of salvation is talking about the salvation like protecting our salvation like how the helmet of roman soldiers uh, you know uh, were protecting their head we have to protect our salvation right there is some truth to it you know our salvation doesn't mean like uh, you know um, everything is complete once you give your life you don't need to follow your um, you know um, uh, god given path uh, you know you're already once saved every time you know you're saved for and which is true we we are saved but the the helmet of salvation is not talking about like a protecting our salvation or a path to heaven helmet of salvation is actually helmet of deliverance it is not just the salvation that you can read the entire ephesians um going back he's talking about like you know especially in this moment in time he's talking about deliverance he's not talking about our pathway to heaven he's talking about a battle right now that we are in that we need to protect our head we need to protect our mind right we need to protect something that is vulnerable that the enemy uses every opportunity to just like a mess around with the thing is we need to ask the lord to give the 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 energy to protect our mind why is this enemy coming after our mind because if he can start to distract our mind from doing what god wants us to do or take us from the path that we are supposed to be doing then he already won this battle you you don't need to do bad things the fact that you're not doing what god has called you to do is already a win enough for him that's why he starts to louver you here is an example right have you ever gone to buy a car right many of us would have gone to this dealers to buy a car and there are like hundreds of cars in the lot and you're looking at one of the cars and the 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 person that's working with you the sales guy he knows that you're out there to buy this car so he's selling this car to you he's telling you all the good things about this car but even after he made all the pitch if he sees you walking away from that car here's what normally the good salesman will do immediately they will offer to say why don't you jump into this car and take a test drive you don't need to buy why don't you drive and see right this is almost like the same thing that happens when you're looking at a cookie in a mall and the woman on the counter says why don't you try some if 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 the enemy says go kill that person or go destroy this you won't do it but then the enemy knows how to interject some of these bad things by first saying oh you can watch this movie there is no harm in watching this movie then slowly he says oh you can watch these kind of movies as well so what is he doing why don't you test drive this then he says like why don't you flirt with this boy or a girl or a man or a woman right this is how it starts he says why don't you take a test drive no harm in doing that test drive right but we need to guard our mind because it is so important the adultery begins in our mind right the second thing that that, that you know um what what happens is when you are about to put on the helmet we need to choose the helmet because the helmet same thing like the shoes recently i was uh, um you know trying to uh, learn how to drive the bike and one of the things that they talk about is all these uh, things that you can put on your stuff when you are driving a bike right and 
And, and when it came to helmet, I realized how every one of our heads are not on the same size and that we need a helmet that's like a really well-fitting to our head, right? Why? Because yeah, the, the, if, if that helmet is loose, then if something happens, the helmet will come out and your head is vulnerable to get hit, right? So uh, why is this, you know, helmet important? Brain is a control center of our body, right? And, and, and the mind is the control center of our soul. In other words, mind is like the spiritual expression of our brain. Mind is a spiritual expression of our brain. So the soul needs that direction and the mind can give it to them. And, and the thing is that we need to protect them. So as part of choosing the, the helmet, it has to fit well to our head. But the other thing that the helmet also has in those days, when people went for the battle, right, they always had different colors of helmets that the people were wearing. Sometimes it denotes which team, which army that you belong to, so they can tell by looking at the helmet, what kind of a, a person that you are, even if they noted the, the rank in the army. But you know what is so cool? Even today, when you're looking at like a, the, the NFL games, you see all of these different players wearing different uh, colored helmets. And it's a clear indication what team they belong to, right? So you can actually tell. But you know, one of the helmets, of all the ones that you see on the ground, one, just one helmet in the ground has an earpiece. This is the helmet of the quarterback. Every quarterback's helmet has an earpiece where they can listen to their head coach. I do not know what kind of a helmet that you are wearing every single day when you need deliverance from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When you are in the times of trouble, you need to have a helmet where in the helmet you need to have an earpiece. And in that earpiece, we should be listening to what our head coach is saying to us. Before, here is the fifth armor, right? The helmet. Before you make any decisions, pause and listen to your head coach. Take a moment to stop everything. Um, I was uh, very fascinated by this, uh, uh, a man named Holyfield. He was like a heavyweight champion, and he was fighting against this man named Tyson, Mike Tyson, one of the very aggressive, strong fighters, right? And, and, and Mike Tyson is so strong that he can actually hit so hard that it can even punch a hole in a cow. That's how, uh, you know, ferocious Mike Tyson is. And uh, Mike Tyson and Holyfield had a match, uh, like a, a, a fight. And during that fight, for some reason, Mike Tyson was swinging and swinging, but he wasn't getting the hit against Holyfield, but on the other hand, Holyfield was slightly taller than Mike Tyson. He had a long reach, and he was just like a smacking Mike Tyson left, right, and center, and Mike Tyson was about to lose. And you know what he did? He actually jumped and chewed on Holyfield's ears, and he spitted out a piece of his ears he was so angry and he just like chewed his ear off. But you know what? Holyfield didn't react to that and he went back to his side and he got his ears taken care of. And later the reporters asked him, what made you to not react to Tyson's chewing? And he said, at that moment in time, I prayed for my God to give me patience. The thing is, in this 
in this life, we are going to run into so many of these challenges that the enemy is going to throw at you and me. And it is important for us to just like a slow down and listen to the voice that is speaking very still underneath our skull, telling us to not worry, telling us you're better, telling us you're more than conquer, telling us that this thing will pass by you, telling us that he is with us in this journey, telling us none of these things is going to make any dent in your life and my life, telling us we can walk on that water, telling us that the cross has paid it all, telling us that you and I are in the hands of the Most High God. This morning, I'm reminding me and you to just like to pause and listen to the voice of the Father, voice of the Master. The second thing that reminds me of this helmet is that we need to bring our thoughts under Christ. The thing is that the weapons that God has given to us in Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down the strongholds. Know that the God of this universe can you know, is, is, is so big that these strongholds that we are fighting, what is a stronghold? There is a difference between a fort and a stronghold. Fort will keep people out of the, the, the city, whereas the strongholds will keep us like a prison inside. Every one of us, uh, when we give room for the enemy, we become one of the prisoners of this enemy, that strongholds need to be broken, needs to be pulled down. And God says, I will give you the power to pull down the strongholds. If anyone on this line has addiction towards watching TV, addiction towards drinking alcohol, addiction towards pornography, addiction towards any of these things that the enemy is keeping us under his prison as a stronghold, the Bible says, you know, God has given us a, a, a weapon to just like make the, the strongholds just like be removed from our life, right? And, and, and the Bible says here on verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 says, casting down arguments and every high thinking that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Reject the thoughts that are not helpful. Reject the thoughts that, that, that are just not heavenly. Right? And, and the thing is this, uh, there's another verse that is so beautifully written in Philippians. Paul wrote in verses 4, verses uh, from chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything but prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, this is the peace of God. When we surrender ourselves to God, when we become obedient to Him, when we make our captive of our thoughts to him, God says his peace that surpasses all understanding will do what? Will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. God says, when you surrender your thoughts to me, then I will guard your heart, I will guard your mind. Imagine this. Uh, I'm sure anyone who has like a, a little children, um, and if they happen to play in a band, every year they do one or two concerts in the school, right? And we go to this, usually uh, for, for such a, uh, an event, 
if there are like a 600 people are coming in for a, a, a you know watching this uh, kids play they normally put it in a 400 seat auditorium right so they're always like a running shot of seats in that auditorium to watch this but when you're coming in and uh, invariably we invite everybody to come like our brothers and uh, the, the, the uncles and the, the grandma grandpa to come and see right so all of a sudden like you know we have like a whole family going to watch our kids play like a piano or a, you know flute and so invariably there is one person in our family will always come late right so what we do, we want to all sit next to each other. We will hold on to that seat, right? And the people who don't have a seat that are passing by will always ask, is that seat taken? Is that seat taken? Even in the church, you know, sometimes we, we will hear people say, is that seat taken? And you'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, someone's coming or, you know, yes, you, you know, it's taken. And they will give this angry look because they are not having a seat and you're protecting a seat for someone who's not here in the auditorium, right? What are you doing? You're guarding that seat for someone else. And the Bible says, God of this universe, with his peace, he will guard your heart and your mind from somebody to occupy that place. God will guard your mind from the enemy to take a control of. God will take care of your mind when we, you know, submit our request to him as prayer and supplication. And, and the thing that I want to say, one last thing, and then we will wrap it up today. Uh, the, the thing is, I talked about two things so far. Number one, when we choose the helmet, we need to make sure that the helmet has an earpiece so we can listen to God. The second thing that I talked about is like a submitting our minds to Christ so that he can guard our heart. And the third thing is to put a, a board outside your brain that says household. What do you mean by that, Sarah? Right? We are in an age right now, we are flooded with information. We have an information overload. You can go to Google and you can search for anything. Right? And, and they store every information. Uh, in fact, if you're watching TV and if that TV happens to be a smart TV, Someone could right now be listening to you because there is no privacy. They're storing all these information going everywhere about everybody, right? But we are also flooded with the information that we can just like a glean onto. One of the spiritual devices that Satan used is to distract us with all these kind of information. And the thing is this, how do we protect ourselves against this information overload that's happening? Uh, just to, to give you um, the, the uh, intensity of this information that these guys are storing, we can, uh, you know, we, we went in this last 20 years from storing like a one song in, in, a, uh, in a CD to now you can actually store in your computer over million songs in a fraction of a space that you have in your computer, right? Why? Because we have, you know, increased the efficiency of storing this information and we're storing and storing a lot of information, right? But it is up to us to take what we want and leave what we don't want. And, and, and the way that Bible says very clearly, in fact, the verse that we just read about like a guarding, God says, okay, in verse 6, I'm going to guard in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says he's going to guard our mind and our heart, right? And then Paul writes, God tells Paul to write this, 
in verse 7 and 8, it says, Finally, brother, once I guard that heart and mind, and God says, how do you fill that guarded heart? How do you fill that empty seat that you have? Here's an example, or here's an instruction from God. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. God says, once your, 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 your mind is empty, then fill your mind with what is true, what is noble, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what, is, what, what has a good report. Fill that place with these kind of godly things in that space that you do not have any more space to hold on to the information outside this. God is saying, like, you know, this, this journey that we are in is so important to clutter our minds with the useless information. Load your, your head, load your mind with things that are praiseworthy. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I know I have more to talk about this area. I know we are already at 9.30. I'm just going to land this plane right now. Uh, we'll come back to it. Um, there's still more that I have prepared for just this area. We'll come back to it. But remember today, there are like, a, you know, so far five things that we talked about. Number one, reading the word. I was encouraging you to see if you can do at least 10 minutes, 20 minutes in your day. Number two, I talked about to give, like a, when we talked about the breastplates, I talked about how we should protect our heart. And the way to protect our heart is to find quietness during your day. Quiet yourself every day. You know, discipline yourself to shut down the cell phone, shut down the TV, shut down you know, every noise that you can hear. And, and I heard like one of the preachers says that if your house is always noisy and you don't have a place to find this peaceful, quiet place, and he says there is one place nobody will bother you. You know what that place is? Your bathroom. You go there and quiet yourself because there is a moment of quietness is needed so you can listen to your heart. That's the second thing that we talked about. Number three, when we talked about like the shoes, we talked about how we need to, we need to say yes and no to the things that are not important. And when we talked about the shield of faith, we talked about how we need to have our roots connected. We need to touch the people that are pouring life into you and me. And when we came to Helmet of Salvation, I talked about like a how we, we are so vulnerable and so, uh, you know, um, uh, ready for like, uh, you know, the battle every single day. We need to make sure our helmet has an earpiece and that we are listening to God. If there is like a serious, important decision to be made, or if you're in the middle of the trouble, I want you and me to discipline ourselves to listen to the voice of the master that is speaking to us in a still voice underneath our helmet. I'm just going to pause here, and I, I, I want, I'm hoping that you're writing down some of these things in a piece of paper because these words that we are talking about have to be real. The Bible has to be real. The Word has to be ministering to us. We need to glean and take the content from the Word and apply to us every single day in this life. This morning, 
as we go into the Lord uh, as a, you know, communion. I want you to chew on these things. I'm going to pass on the service to Ms. Sarah Jackson, who will lead us now into communion. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life, now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup, representing your blood poured out from a splintered cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26 says, This is the new covenant in my blood. Right? He's, you know, he's talking about, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please go ahead and take the bread. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in the in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the drink. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the, the Lord's death until he comes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father God, I pray for my brothers and sisters on this line this morning that you are the God who was, who is, and who is to come. Father, as we take this bread, took this bread in the cup that we drank from, God, we will remember your death and your resurrection and that you're going to come back to judge the living and the dead. Father, we remember everything that you have done for us on the cross, making the enemy a public spectacle. God, this morning I pray that you will have a deliverance, the helmet of deliverance be upon us, that we would listen to the Master's voice every single time that we need help with, that we will not leave nor forsake the voice that we hear underneath our helmet. We surrender ourselves, Father, into your mighty hands. You take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Have an amazing, amazing weekend. Yes. Bye, everybody. Thank Have you. Bye. Bye.